0: Hey, 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 everyone. It is Andrea Maxim with another wonderful show on the podcast. I needed to answer this question. So I've been getting a lot of questions from my personal coaching clients and people that are, you know, finding me on social media. And one of the questions that we have being that we want to start leveraging ourselves on line is how do I set up a store and one of the things that I typically respond to is it's not necessarily as easy as you think that it is so with regards to how it used to be you had to you know, create a website, and then on your website you had to upload all of the products, and you had to manage it with images on your website. And then you had to find a um, a merchant account that would actually host you online and kind of take some of the um, what's the word? Like, if something were to go wrong, they would take some of that ownership away from you. So they would take on some of that uh, blame, I guess. I'm missing the word here. Um, And then you would have to find a place where they could actually um, purchase the product. So then it would go through your merchant account and actually connect into your bank account. So it used to be very, very complicated. And that's how it was when I first started my very first website. We had established an online shopping cart and I literally had two products on there I had my physical book and I had the digital copy of my book and then I had to get a merchant account and the merchant account was authorized.net and that was costing me $35 American a month to run and then I had to manage it all and I had to learn how to do the back end of how to change the prices and if I wanted to make everything on sale how that would look and I had to do all the images and it was just such a pain in the butt that now I'm so thrilled that there's other um, softwares out there that do all of that heavy lifting for you and if there's one thing that i can strongly encourage everyone who's listening to think of is you really need to start thinking about not the dollar value how much it's going to cost you per month to do something how much it's going to cost you um, to opt into something for the year how much it's going to cost have somebody else do that for you you really need to start looking at your business and say how much am i losing by spending all this time doing this out or the other thing on my own when I could pay you know let's say 100 150 dollars to have somebody who can get it up and running in a day or less and then I can actually start using it in my business and there's a huge difference between those people that will look at a new software that can make their life easy that will look at the cost of creating a really nice professional website instead of making it on their own about um, hiring someone to manage some of the back-end stuff and I mean you can go to Upwork and onlinejobs.ph and you can hire someone for as little as two or three dollars American which I actually just did I just hired my first virtual assistant um, from the Philippines and we are doing it for three dollars an hour so 20 hours a week max and she's going to run all of my social media i have another person who's going to start running all of my facebook ads because i want to start using and leveraging facebook being and using the things that we've learned from ben blackman on the two podcasts that i did on facebook ads and retargeting ads and things like that so when it comes to finding things that will make your life easier that will take away the stress of you having to learn the tech learn a whole new product and software from scratch there are people that know how to do this for you you know really start to weigh the pros and cons of your dollar value versus your time and I personally don't have a lot of time to myself I have to squish my entire seven days worth of work into four days of seeing patients plus doing all the work and admin on top of that into my four working days so that when I'm at home I can specifically be there with my family I have really stopped looking at the value of my dollars and started looking at the value of my time and the reason why I'm talking about all of this is because the products and the services that we're going to start talking about in the interview do have monthly costs a lot of the things that I use the tech stuff that I use do have monthly costs and they are not inexpensive But I can bust things out in a half an hour to an hour now. Like it does not take me days of doing all this manual back end stuff because I have a $20 a month product. And I'm not saying that you need to be investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into this online software. But if you want to get serious about creating an online store and driving people to your website to buy things from you, whether it be an online program or an ebook or meal plans or something like that you do need to start you know getting a little bit more serious about how long do you want to leave money on the table and not get anything done and then five months from now you finally get it put back together and you're like man I could have done this in a day and been five months ahead of where I am so the big thing that we talk about on the interview with Chloe Thomas today is we're talking about you know the value of having an online store the value of leveraging that online store and using that online store um, with as much emphasis as you would your own business and really continuing to drive people to that place so that you can start making some extra money. But if you don't drive people to that place, if you don't even have your store set up, you're not going to get anywhere very quickly when it comes to seeing those sales come in. So without further ado, we will jump on to the call with Chloe Thomas. I just want to say that this uh, podcast has been sponsored by my 7-Day Detox program. This is my completely turnkey, totally done for you. You can have everything up and running in a day or less. Um, All the emails are written. All the sales emails are written. And this for me has been a game-changing program that I still to this day have patients doing and asking me about every single week. It has been one of the best and most profitable programs that I offer in my practice. And then even my patients that are going through my 90-day transformation program, my weight loss program will still do this detox, you know, a couple of times throughout that because you know, weight loss is probably one of the biggest sources of failure for just about everybody on the planet. And they always fall off the wagon and they always want a quick reset program to get right back on track. And the seven day detox has been one of those things that has been, you know, uh, the fastest win that I've gotten my patients. They have lost five to 10 pounds by the end of that week. They have identified that wheat is killing them by avoiding it for that week, cleaning up their body, reintroducing it, and then they have excruciating cramps or pains or headaches. And it so it's it's been a huge huge game changer for my practice, and that's why I knew I had to put together or put it together for you guys so that you can have these massive wins in your practice as well. So if you're curious about that, go to maximizebusiness.ca forward slash seven the number seven day detox program and check that out but let's get to the topic at hand and that is everything shopping cart online shopping cart so let's start our interview with chloe thomas Hi, Chloe, thank you so much for being on the Profitable Practice podcast today. Why don't you give us a bit of a background kind of bio as to who you are, what you do, and how you're going to rock our worlds today?
1: Okay, cool. Andrew, it's great to be on here. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I come from the world of of e-commerce rather than the world of uh, of medical practice. So hopefully, I'm going to be able to bring you all some ideas from that alternative world to help you... Uh, help you improve your practice and grow your sales, which is, after all, what we're all after at the end of the day. Um, I've been working in the world in the field of e commerce since about 2004 when I left banking marketing to get into retail marketing. I've worked uh, client side, I've worked supplier side. I used to run a marketing agency for 10 years, um, and nowadays, since, since 2012, I've been running e commerce master plan, which is where I aim to help business owners and marketers build the strategy and the marketing side of their e-commerce business essentially to get more customers and uh, there's all kinds of things I do within that but I'm sure we'll get onto the relevant ones for you guys as we go through so it's probably is that okay for an intro Andrea
0: that was wonderful and the the thing that stuck out to me is why would you leave the comfort of a regular job and the regular paycheck to then launch your business online? And, and I guess the underlying question is, why is it such a, a valuable tool that's now basically your business doing everything in the e-commerce space?
1: Ooh, there's a question. I mean, I think as with any business, it comes back to having a decent idea and a decent product which is appealing to the customers. And, you know, generally I think the the idea of what the product's gonna be or who the customers are that you wanna solve something for comes first, and then which medium to get that product out to them comes second. You know, so it's, um, it's the problem, who you're gonna solve the problem for, and then what the best way of solving that problem is. And, and I just hope it falls into the e-commerce spectrum because then I can help.
0: Now, with regards to e-commerce, what exactly does that mean? I mean, I hear that term thrown out. What does that encompass when we're talking about e-commerce?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think if I was following my own advice and doing the keyword research, I would have kept the word e-commerce out of my business name because it does just confuse so many people. For me, e-commerce boils down to three things. Firstly, it has to be a business. This isn't a hobby. This isn't a thing we do off the side of the desk, it's a proper business, which means all those different things we have to worry about in business count.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: We have to worry about the team, we have to worry about HR, we have to worry about strategy, about marketing, about products, about routes to market. We have to do all these things. It's not simple as chuck a website up there, put some product on it that you've changed the labels on and, and hope it's gonna work. So you've gotta think of it as a business first and foremost. Secondly, it's selling either products or services. I'm not too worried whether it's a software item, it's a downloadable virtual item, or it's a physical thing. Most of my work is the people who are sh- shipping um, you know, physical product, but I also do bits in the travel sector, all that kind of stuff. So uh, a product or a service, and it has to be um, transacted online. So the order is placed in the online arena and that's what e-commerce means to me, which covers, as I'm sure your listeners and yourself can imagine, a huge variety of different things.
0: Now let's just start with the basics because I get this question a lot from my audience, from my clients, and the question is, how do I set up an online store, which is basically your wheelhouse? So what are the elements that need to be in place in order to do it? Because it's not as easy as we think. It's not as easy as just slapping a product on your website because it does, the transactions have to happen online. So there's different elements that need to be in place. Could you walk us through what that looks like?
1: Yeah, it's come on leaps and bounds and become considerably easier in recent years. So if you're selling physical products, my go-to is Shopify at at the basic level because they have their own payment system built in. So that whole getting the money thing, which is an absolute nightmare, normally, is built in. So you you know, you know don't have to worry about that, you can focus on getting the products right, getting the design right, because you can get these, uh, you know, like on WordPress you get themes, I assume yes. your audience is pretty familiar with WordPress. So on WordPress you get a theme, on Shopify you can get a theme. So you can very quickly, out of the box, get your business, um, your your online e-commerce piece up and running, and it's, you know, that you can get plugins as you can with, with WordPress and all that kind of stuff. So Shopify is my go-to for simple quickly setting up a store online and um, if you're looking to sell virtual products because um, I believe some of your audience are kind of doing courses and um, meal
0: plans yeah, yeah
1: all that kind of good stuff and um, there are a lot of very very cool online course systems that will do the same thing so Shopify is not my go-to for virtual products virtual okay. products would be will be something like teachable or Thinkific, which are the Exactly the same sort of thing, off the shelf, totally branded as you, your domain, you put your products in there and it handles the transactions for you. So um, I hope that answers your question because I could have gone in all kinds of different strategic directions. So I hope, does that answer it? It does, but I'm going to break it down
0: because I love everyone to just have the step-by-step. So I have a website. Let's say it's WordPress. WordPress and I wanna open up an online store. So the way my website is set up is one of my tabs on WordPress links directly to my online store. I'm using Infusionsoft, so everything is built in there. But if we're using Shopify, and I think there's also things like WooCommerce and other. Yeah, well,
1: the interesting one is, um, the Infusionsoft piece happens on another URL. Mm
0: -hmm. The Shopify
1: piece would happen on another URL. So you'd be shop.yourbrand.com. Yes. If you go, if you're on WordPress already and you go down WooCommerce, it's built into the one website. Because WooCommerce is like, you know like you get the Yoast plugin or the this plugin for for WordPress, it's like the most ridiculously big plugin you've ever come across and it creates a whole e-commerce store for you. So that would be another option, but it's a bit more difficult because you've got it's not quite as plug and play as Shopify is. You've got to find your own backend to take the payments and that kind of thing.
0: Now my webmaster has always said the more you can keep people on your site, the better because you don't want people linking off to your site too much. What is your opinion on that? Now that we're talking about, if you're on a WordPress site, you can stick to this, which will keep you within your WordPress site, or we could link out to Shopify. And is there a a huge detriment to that? Or does it really
1: not matter in the long run? I quite like it because um, from an analytics standpoint, but let me just jump back to your first point before I go analytics crazy. Uh, so in this instance, we're kind of linking between your own websites rather than out to another website, so they're still within your pen, if you like, yes. they're still within your field. Um, so it's not, it's not quite the same as linking out to Amazon or to Got someone it. else. We're keeping them in the same, the same arena, but we are, of course, moving domains, which does make the tracking on the analytics side a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. But what I quite like about that side of the, of the analytics, especially for, for people like your, your, your listeners, is you've got your main website that's about your practice. It's about getting appointments booked. It's about seeing people face to face and sorting out all of that. And that traffic is doing that. Then over on your shop, you've got the traffic that's looking to buy from you. So you get a slightly clearer idea Mm -hmm. of what's going on, and down the line, you might get an idea of there actually being two very different demographics. Obviously, the the physical bookings, I'm going to take a rough guess, are probably within the same geographic area as yours. Yes, usually. And and then the the e-commerce site, if it's on a slightly different URL, probably shop. whatever your normal one is, then you're going to be able to see that traffic behaving differently, which as your business grows, should be coming in from all over the country, if not all over the world, not just from your town.
0: Right. Okay. Perfect. So now we have, let's say my website is linked out to Shopify. When I get onto Shopify, you said all the payment is built in. So this is the part that a lot of people don't know when it comes to the e commerce site. So originally I had my website on WordPress and we had, we kept everything on WordPress. The online store was there, but because it didn't have the payment built in, I had to then go find a merchant account. And Mm -hmm. the payment account in order for it to come into my um, bank account at the end of the transaction so I'd love it if you would clarify those two streams I mean if you do Shopify this is the setup or you'd actually have to look at these different um, companies to act as your merchant and this is the part that people don't know about because with a POS machine in our physical location, it's just that's the POS machine. It's linked to your web or into your um, bank account, easy peasy. But there's extra steps when it comes to the online transaction. So if you could break that down too,
1: yeah, of course. Um, kind of like the worst case scenario, which is what the big retailers do because it's the kind of the best in inverted commas way to do it, but not for the small guys. Do not. know this is probably not the right way for you guys to start off is you need to get first of all that merchant account which Mm -hmm. is a a conversation you have with your bank to enable you to take payments basically and that can be quick to get or it can be really really time-consuming to get depending on you your bank your history and all that kind of stuff then you need to have a payment gateway which is the thing which takes the money for you so world pay would be one sage pay something we use a lot in the UK there are various ones which will enable you to so do that. Infusionsoft can be that mm-hmm. as well. Um, so you've got that and then you kind of merge those two things together and then that enables you to be able to have that checkout where they can enter the credit card details and take it out. You've obviously also got to put that on your website, which is a whole other world of complexity mm-hmm. as well. Then a few years ago, people started merging these two things together. So PayPal was one of the first. They yes. created something which was merchant account and payment gateway built into one. That was when you were able to take um, credit card payments, not just PayPal payments from your website using PayPal. Obviously horrendous um, commission rates on that because it's PayPal compared to what you get with other places. You've now got things like Stripe, which mm-hmm. is really awesome, which will take the, do the whole thing for you and various others are now out there in, in the mix. So that means that it's that little bit easier to start doing it on your website. Mm-hmm. However, what makes it even easier is going to um, the likes of Shopify, I think Infusionsoft in the US now as well, but not in the UK, there's now Infusionsoft payments or something, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, it's which
0: called is, WePay, uh, which is LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, which means essentially out the box, you get the whole thing done. Yeah. So all you have to do is put the products and it works. Yes. Roughly speaking, and then give them your bank account to put the money in at the end of the day. So you can do that with Shopify, with the online course things, Teachable, Thinkific, I mentioned earlier, and with Infusionsoft as well.
0: Yes. So this is where the the dialogue is really going to come into play here mm-hmm. is let's talk about the cost of doing all these things because we can paint this beautiful picture, and this is how easy it is, but everyone will always be deterred by the investment. And the reason why I want to take a moment to talk about this is did you what i I hope everybody just heard was, You could probably find maybe a cheaper way of doing things in the beginning, but you have to put all of these steps into place and you have to get all of these things linked to your website and monitor that. And if one of them were to ever become disabled, you'd have to troubleshoot that. And typically to get your web designer to do anything for you is usually a minimum of $200 just to Relink something versus the monthly charges associated with Shopify, or if you want to do a course like even Kajabi or um, teach, um, Teachable, um, there's something to be said about putting an investment in for your time. So, the time mm-hmm. involved in setting up a Shopify account, setting up a Teachable account, and getting things going immediately, I think is a much better investment than taking months to learn how to put all these pieces together and then continually monitoring them. So if you could, if you know the the numbers, I'd love mm-hmm. for you to say, what is the monthly fee for Shopify or for the online course platforms?
1: Yeah, cool, I wanna add two other great reasons to what you just said about um, why it's, don't spend your time doing it, get something that's out of the box. One is uh, peace of mind because you know from day one it works. And yeah. if and also, if it doesn't work, you've got someone to shout at who's not going to charge you to fix it, which is also really good in my book. Um, although, although, of course, you don't want it to go wrong at all. But then the other thing is um, the risk because, you know, the credit card companies, they don't want the risk of fraud. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to pass that on to the consumer. And in the UK, we have something called PCI DSS which is an absolute nightmare it's all about the security of credit card details Um, you don't want to go anywhere near that we also have all kinds of tax issues in the UK uh, because of the European Union's decisions about VAT and how we account for VAT. so you want to find a system which can take care of that for you so it's done and dusted And if you're using one of these off-the-shelf systems, they've ticked all the boxes when it comes to making sure you're not liable for those frauds. So there's huge peace of mind to be had from this as well and Mm -hmm. risk avoidance. Price points, off the top of my head, I don't know them exactly, but each of the ones we've mentioned is gonna be sub $100 a month. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because they have these entry-level ones. The course, I think both Teachable and Thinkific, I don't know Kajabi, but I think the first two certainly have free options where you can go and build out for free, and then when you reach, you know, when you've got all those sales coming in, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing, then you can take the decision to upgrade to get the things that you have to pay for. So, you can do this in a really, really low cost way.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Really, really low cost.
0: Yes, and again, the, the price of not taking action in your business, I think, is worse than paying a little bit more than you want to Upfront and monthly, but at least getting those sales in to start to at least hit that zero point where it's taking care of itself. But the next step is so now we have it set up. So I have Mm -hmm. my website linked out to my online site. Let's say I have a few of my products on there. What is the next step? Because you said having an e commerce site isn't just about slapping things on the internet and hoping you'll just have money coming in. It's all about growing this business just as much as you would your brick and mortar. So let's talk about everything yeah. that's involved there in maintaining it and helping it grow and helping you get more of those online sales.
1: Yeah, it's it's really important to understand that you can't just put a web, website up there and expect it to work. You know, it's not it's not going to bring you sales just by putting it live unless you're incredibly lucky, mm-hmm. um, in which case get in contact and you can be a guest on my show. Um, but but it's unlikely that that's going to happen because e-commerce. It's like adding another business model onto your existing business. It's another string. It can be highly complementary, mm-hmm. as we all know. You know, it's a great way of extending the revenue you can get get per existing um, client. It's a really good, sorry, per existing patient even. Um, it's a great way of extending that. But it's also, it's also a very different beast in mm-hmm. its way. You know, so there's other things you need to bear in mind now. Um, Andrea, you, most of your listeners, are they getting their patients using online marketing methods or are they kind of in a shopping mall hoping people come through the door? Are they do uh, online bookings or is it more?
0: For the most part, I think we're, because of the blow up that the internet is, we are starting to, at least I hope my listeners are starting to leverage the internet to get, capture leads and hopefully get them booked into their office. However, a lot of it is word of mouth still, and a lot of it is hitting the pavement with presentations and things
1: like that. Okay, cool. Um, So I'll go a bit deeper than I might otherwise go in that case then. So you've got that site, the first thing you've got to do is start getting people to that website. Um, In e-commerce, there's some data published on a fairly regular basis by a business called Castora in the US, where they look at all the transactions from loads and loads and loads of different e-commerce businesses, put it all into a big heap and then tell us what the trends are. And they go into the, you know, things like mobile versus desktop and various other bits and pieces. But the November 2016 stats, which is kind of the biggest month of the year for e-commerce, they show where the sales are coming from in terms of channels. Now you're selling slightly different products, most mm-hmm. of you, but the you're still selling to the same consumers and that you're still expecting them to put a credit card detail in online. So a lot of this, these trends are going to be the same. of those sales come in from email. Wow. 25, that's 25%. One in four of all e-commerce sales are directly driven by email. Then the next three big ones are direct traffic, so that's that kind of untrackable stuff that's due to your brand awareness, and people typing your URL in. Um, SEO, so uh, natural rankings on Google search, and the other one is Google pay-per-click or and Bing pay-per-click and sure. Yahoo pay-per-click and those those kind of paid ads. And each of those is about 20%. Wow. Now, SEO and direct, pretty much, you know, the sensible way of affecting that is getting out there and talking to people and building your brand awareness and doing those ads and everything you're probably already doing to promote your existing business. So the, so the SEO's gonna come. Um, the the AdWords side of things, you know, the, the search engine pay-per-click, that's that's like a whole podcast series on its own, um, but it's worth taking a look at. I'd be careful with the bidding, but I'll try. And, unless you really want me to, I'll try not to get too deep into that because that's no. um, it, it's a bit a, a whole world of skill set on its yeah. own. But e, e, so therefore, email is kind of like the one where, right. The ROI should be amazing because email doesn't cost a lot to do. Yeah, there's a bit of time involved, but it's also um, it's also the one which which you can you're completely in control of. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your list. You can send a message out to them whenever you want and some of them will buy. Yeah. You know, what's not to love about that? It's brilliant. (laughs) Um, So email's the one which, with your permission, Andrea, I think we should focus on. I think so too because
0: this is where I think a lot of our listeners, a lot of my audience, are just not understanding the value of email. Um, Most of the people that I've spoken to think even emailing their patients out more than once a month is just insane. And it's, you know, breaching on the side of, um, uh, harassment, you know, and email is now, as you said, it's probably one of the most fundamental, things that you can control that really doesn't cost you anything and can make you a significant amount of money and the way I tell people as I say email is basically the new commercial so people are watching PVR and they're skipping the commercials and they're blasting through all those things but email is such a valuable speaking tool and engagement tool that we really do and I'm so thrilled that we're going to talk about that in greater detail so you guys that are listening aren't so afraid to create email campaigns and nurturing campaigns and sell things through your emails.
1: Yeah, I mean the first thing which, you know, for any of your listeners are doing is to go and get the email working in their, their core business really, isn't it, is to make sure you've got those appointment reminders going out, you've got those rebook reminders going out, you know, just the the bread and butter to make sure your existing business is running that little bit more. Yeah automatically. So then you've got the time to go and spend building building the really kind of the leverage sales in the e-commerce space. So I would keep the same email list for both but be aware of who's a patient as well as who's a just an e-commerce customer because you want to make sure your patients are getting those messages too. And I'm going to stop um, you
0: right there. So what we're yeah. talking about that is segmentation. So a lot of um, email marketing platforms mm like um, active campaign constant contact infusionsoft have the ability to tag. tagging is a fundamental way for you to segment your list so that I can send an email out to all these people that have clinic tag. All of these people are online tags and that way you're not sending unnecessary emails to people because, Speaking to someone over email is very personal as well. And this is another problem that I think a lot of us have is we just email out the entire list and talk to them the exact same way. And that's not appropriate nowadays if you really want to treat your list well. And I just want to take an aside as to what that means to speak to online people versus patients versus friends, colleagues,
1: that sort of thing. Yeah, it's... um. Tags will become your friend. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of tags. Yeah. I have far too many tags set up in my system, but, you know, that, that's the thing. You, you have to do, kind of want to do the yearly tag cleanup. But I'm getting a bit geeky there, so I'll, I'll take a step back from that. <laughs> so the first thing, first thing which you need to make sure you're doing with email before you even start saying anything, to be fair, is making sure you're capturing those email addresses. So if you're mainly dealing with people who are coming in to see you face-to-face and they're booking over the phone and all the rest of it, make sure you're capturing their email address when they come in. Give them a card. Would you like to hear, hear updates from us? Make sure you're gathering that data on the website. Make sure you've got a really clear call to action to get the email. And you don't necessarily need to give them a discount to do this. Say, pr- tell them what you're going to send them. Tell them that you're going to send them really useful information to help them deal with, you know, whatever area it is your specialist in. The other thing which you so make that clear on the website. Pop-ups are one of my favourite things so the pop-ups on the website that come up and go give me your email address Mm -hmm. now as a consumer we all hate them as marketers we love them i put a terrible pop-up up up on my site my first ever pop-up on my site and it took my visitors to sign-ups conversion rate from 0.5 percent to five percent wow it was awful it was ugly it was hideous thankfully what the the download i was giving them was good (laughs) but it made that bigger difference. And I regularly speak to e-commerce businesses that have optimized it to five, six, seven percent of the traffic that's coming in, not necessarily with giving away any of their margin. You know, so we're talking promises of great content. We're talking potentially PDF downloads, checklists, that kind of thing, which I would have thought for your, uh, for the audience of this podcast is something you could quite easily create. You know, mm-hmm. 10 things to avoid in your diet or 10 things to add to your diet or 10 ec- exercises to do what you know, whatever it is, you guys know much better than I do. Uh, can you tell I don't usually work in this field? <laughs> um, so that is going to help you grow your email list, and I'd be doing that both on your your um, your practice website and also on your e-commerce website. So make sure you're gathering that data and you're tagging, as Andrea said, so you know where they came from. If you've promised them something, which hopefully you have, make sure you deliver that immediately. So that's the very first email they get from you, delivers on whatever it was. If you said you're gonna just give them great information, make sure there's some great information in that first email. Even if it's a link off to your top three most popular blog posts, just make sure you're giving them whatever you promise so they stay engaged. Then it's, for me it's, it's always a toss up between should you then spend lots of time doing regular broadcasts or should you build up a couple of sequences? And kind of the caveat for me is like, generally I'll say to people you should be emailing at least once a week that's kind of the happy level for most businesses is once a week you should have something you can tell them about once a week if you've got nothing to say then you know don't email but hopefully you've got something that you can tell people about so get that email out there once a week but if you haven't yet built a welcome campaign I'll explain what these are in a second but if you haven't yet built a welcome campaign you haven't yet built your booking reminder email you haven't yet built your Uh, abandoned cart I promise I'll explain that one Uh, you haven't built your post purchase sequence then slow down that broadcast to every other week and instead of creating a broadcast create another one for your campaign sequence because when you put so what I mean by broadcast and sequences is broadcast is kind of like that newsletter the weekly newsletter that goes out to everybody the campaign is an email a series of emails that's triggered when somebody does something so they Mm -hmm. sign up for your emails and they get a series of emails explaining who you are and why they should care they've bought something and you send them a series of emails on how to deal with whatever they've bought or various other bits and pieces So that's campaigns versus broadcasts and there was something I was gonna go back to and I forgot what it was I was gonna explain the campaigns yeah and there was um oh yes the abandoned cart yes that was it okay cool so uh, in these, these various campaigns you set up, the really cool one in e-commerce, not my favorite, but it is the one that brings in the most revenue, is the abandoned cart piece. Most e-commerce platforms will have this built in, really easy for you to set up. So Shopify have various plugins you can put in for, um, for abandoned carts. You can also get them on WooCommerce uh, and the, the other various platforms. And I know Teachable's got one because it's currently on my to-do list to set it up on my Teachable account and I haven't done it yet. Um, and they probably are on the others. And what an abandoned cart is, it tracks that someone's got as far as your shopping cart and then they didn't buy. Mm-hmm. So you send them an email saying, come back you left your products behind because let's face it we've all done it you're watching the telly you're putting together an order something more interesting comes on on the telly you completely forget about the order or the kids come in or the dog needs walking or you know whatever it might be those have huge conversion rates that's kind of a no-brainer to put in place it's very easy it's plug-and-play in the system fill in a couple of details and boom out out it goes so the abandoned cart is a bit of a no-brainer then my favorite though is the welcome campaign Mm-hmm. and a welcome campaign is something you probably want to make sure you've got set up for your practice as well as for your e-commerce store and a welcome campaign is a series of emails that come straight after they've signed up that explain to them if they're a patient who's just registered for their first appointment explain to them what's going to happen and what they need to do if they're just someone who's come onto the website and signed up then you're going to explain to them about you and how great you are and why they should trust you as their doctor mm-hmm and then about the different services you offer, and then about the different products they can get from you without even having to come in, and so forth. So you're building kind of trust and reasons to buy from you. Yes. And that could be two or three emails, or it could be longer, depending on how much you've got to say. But that is my absolute favorite, because that is is a really powerful um, e-commerce strategy, is to really go after the sign-ups with your pop-up, and then to follow up with the welcome campaign. And I've got a few clients who are getting uh, a 20% conversion rate from their welcome campaign. So they're getting 4 to 5% of their sign-ups, email sign-ups from their website. So sorry, website traffic. 4 to 5% is turning into an email sign-up, and then over the next 6 months they're getting up to 20% of those converting into a customer. Wow. And they're good customers because they know all about you because right. you bothered to tell. Yes.
0: And the one I have both of those campaigns set up, I have to redo them because, of course, I've developed and grown since I created those. The one thing that I also include with all new patients that have finished their initial appointment with me is they'll immediately get a welcome email. A few days later, they'll say, based on this concern that you had, so again, this is where tagging comes into play. If they're coming in for digestive problems, if they're coming in for weight loss problems, I'll send them a specific email saying, here's some other tests that we can run, just to remind them, Um, here's some other resources that I have for you, here's some videos to watch, and then at the end of the first month, I'll send them a survey and ask them how they liked the service, and I typically get, you know, maybe 20% of people responding to that survey. But it gives me an idea of they're liking it. This is something that I need to change. And even if it's a negative thing or a constructive criticism, I will reach out to that patient and say, Thank you so much. Um, What are some of the ways that I can make this a little bit better for you? I didn't even think about that. You know, I'm always learning. And I do find, um, you know, always being reflecting back to your audience, your list. Your patients and asking them their opinion on what do you need more of, what did you like, what didn't you like, what would you like to see is a great way to continue to grow and evolve your business as well, whether online or in your practice.
1: Oh, completely. And you should be so pleased with that 20%. The um, Mm. industry average for reviews and that kind of stuff is 10%. So you're doubling.
0: Yes. Well, that's good then. Nice one. Maybe I'm also overestimating. Who knows? But a a fair amount will (laughs) respond, which I'm pretty impressed with. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else? Now, let's go back to the email sequences first. Mm -hmm. So we've all heard of, maybe not all, I don't want to be that um, presumptuous, but Gary Vanderchuk is huge for jab, 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 right hook. That's one of his big popular books. When we're doing the email marketing we want to give, I'm sure, some nurturing emails, some content emails, and then we want to offer promotion. How often would you say in a month, would you do content-based versus sales-based emails? And I know some people sell every single day. Some people sell once a month. What do you think is kind of a safe place?
1: In the e-commerce space, so the, the emails about that shop, I would be making sure you're featuring, you're doing some kind of selling in every single email. Okay, But the Joy in e commerce is that most of the content you want to put out there directly relates to your products. So you'd actually be doing a disservice if you didn't include the product in there. So you know, if you're talking about healthy diet or weight loss, then it would be crazy for you to do an email about weight loss and not give them a link through to the way you can help them about weight loss. Mm -hmm. So it tend, and if you're doing physical products then you know, you're know you generally going to be saying here's this category, here's that category and so on so you tend to be featuring products so kind of soft selling in every single email but the big buy nows tend to come or depending on your business may come a bit less frequently so I'm not suggesting I've not just given you the green light to every single email go buy this water bottle <laughs> yeah. buy this mug Buy yeah. this water bottle every other email. I'm not saying that. This is not a 20% off something every week or a promo every week. This is make sure you're featuring the products every week and give them the links to go direct to whatever it is you're talking about. But it's not the hard sell every week. So mm-hmm. the hard sell comes in when it fits for your business, which you know might be once a quarter, might be once a, a month, it might be you know payday specials, or it might be that actually the hard sell comes in the, in the campaign sequences that you build out. You know, if someone's just had an appointment and you've tagged the fact that they're, they're on the weight loss was one of their concerns, then at that point they go into a sequence which includes some hard sell for your weight loss programs. Right. Okay.
0: So then how do we overcome the fear? Because this is, you know, as naturopaths, we don't learn the business side. We don't have the marketing brain. We have the want to help everybody brain the I don't want to push people brain I don't want to inconvenience people I don't want to sell things brain a lot of us do and we have this hesitation or fear to start to do this and I'm sure there's people that are listening right now that are saying you know what it just doesn't feel comfortable with me to be promoting my products I just don't feel comfortable always asking my patients for more money it's not that we're forcing people to do it but how with your clients Do you Mm -hmm. get them to overcome that um, hesitancy to just put that information out there and, you know, see what happens? It's not a push. It's not a force. It's not a mandatory thing. You're just saying, I also have this available for you.
1: Um, I find it, it differs from person to person because usually, you know, you kind of got to work out what exactly is the reason behind mm-hmm. it. Usually, people go, oh, it's time, and you know, it's so not time. <laughs> there's there's another reason you're choosing to deprioritize this. But um, the most common thing, common common ways I find to help people get over it is, you know, one, you know, are you writing blog posts and that kind of content, you know, the passive content that you're not forcing in front of people? Okay, well then let's let's put a blog in an email. You know, you, you decided to write this. You thought it was valuable for your your users, your patients, your whatever. Let's let's put it in an email, send it out there and see what kind of response we get. Because often once you start seeing the response and that people are emailing back and going, oh, that was really awesome, thank you. Or the opens and the clicks that are coming in, then then you start to go, oh, okay, clearly they do want it because I'm getting a good reaction to it. If the blog content isn't there, then I find it's more a case of, look, what do you wish you could tell them all? You know, what did you not abandoning client uh, patient confidentiality but you know is there a problem that you've heard a lot of recently that you want to send out there to the list and say look I've had a lot of people coming in with this here's a couple of things you could do Mm -hmm. without even having to come and see me that can sort it out you know you're not even you're you're almost not encouraging them to come in you're being so nice so I think it's it's trying to find that subject area that you're confident putting out there for me I tend to find because, you know, even I have these kind of blocks sometimes, I find if I put a structure in place for what each newsletter is, so I have like a bit from a letter from me at the top, then I have a product promo, then I have the podcast, then I have the books, you know, if I've written one, I put a blog in there as well. That makes it a really quick and easy job that's less freaky for me, because I know that, I'm not going to think about a blank sheet of paper. I've got to think about how what I put in that box and that box. Mm-hmm. That can also be a little bit of a helper to some people.
0: Yeah. And ultimately, as I said, you know, making the assumption for your list that they're going to say no is irresponsible. So oh, all definitely. you're doing is just putting that information out there, letting them know what their options are, and you're helping them. And if they choose to take you up on it, mm-hmm. amazing. If they don't, at least you tried but I find in this industry we make a lot of assumptions about our followers and about our patients and their needs and what they like and don't like. Number one, we don't ask them, we just make the assumption and number two, um, we don't give them all the information that they might possibly want to make a decision or purchase or something like that.
1: I bet from your survey that you send out a month later you get huge amounts of ideas for content and information to mm-hmm. send out. Yeah. So. So maybe that that's where everybody could start is by simply getting their their existing patients to just fill in a survey and then write about what the patients say they want to hear about because yeah, they've and, asked at that point <laughs> there's there's yeah. no excuse then is there they've they've told you they want to hear about this so you've got to send it to them
0: And SurveyMonkey is a great free tool for that.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome tool.
0: Now, Chloe, is there anything else that you think would be really important for the audience to know about when it comes to the e-commerce
1: world? Well, there's a big old question. Um, I think kind of building on a couple of themes we've been talking about, is just generally that you cannot assume that if you put the site up there, people will come. You have to work to get every single order, just like you have to work to get every single patient through the door. Email marketing is massively your friend in that. But you can also have an impact when you're out and about you know, doing the, the events, doing the presentations to get people to come in. Because it may well be that you know, they're, they're not ready to come and see you personally, but you've got a lower ticket price course that they can go to. So there's, there's those cross-sells that happen between the two, and it should overall help you build your, your whole business. But, um, but I guess my number one thing would be don't assume that if you build it they will come, because mm-hmm. they won't unless you tell them it's there and yeah. ask them to.
0: And if there's a great place for people to look you up, check you
1: out, what are some links that we can do that? Okay, well, the, the real link is eCommerceMasterPlan.com. From there, you'll find links to my podcast where I interview, interview a different retailer every um, week on that one. Um, you'll also find links to my books. I just quickly grab them off. I don't usually do video podcasts. It's quite exciting to be able to show you them. <laughs> yeah. This one's the most recent one and probably the most useful for you guys it's called customer persuasion it's got lots in there about email marketing nice and all those little campaigns and sequences we've been talking about those are available as ebook um, audiobook and paperback surprisingly enough all via Amazon um, and you'll find you know every, anything else you want to know about me you'll find on the website so com. you'll find on the contact details so if you've got any um, questions for me please ping them over and I'll do my best to get back to you
0: Thank you so much for being on the show and breaking everything down for us and telling us exactly what we need to do when it comes to creating an e-commerce site, driving traffic to our e-commerce site, and overall just making the in-office and online experience for our customers, clients, patients better.
1: Well, I hope it's been really useful for you. All. I hope it's given you some ideas to go away and make some really quick, fast improvements. And as we we're talking about in the beginning of it, save you a stack of time, stress and give you a lot of peace of mind when it comes to your e-commerce business, too. So um, thanks for having me on, Andrew. It's been absolutely awesome. Thank you. Cool. Thank you.
0: So that's that, folks. Another phenomenal interview on the books and i hope you learned everything with regards to what you can do to set up your shopping cart how easy it is to do it with different themes plugins and of course using things like shopify and the value of driving your traffic to that shopping cart if you want people to buy from you you have to show them what you have to offer so definitely don't discount the importance of letting people know what you have and getting them to buy from you and if you need extra help with the copywriting and how to create those emails i have invited ben settle onto the show he will be on next week and he's going to really break down copywriting and it was a phenomenal phenomenal show it was so easy he has his five steps that everybody needs to use when it comes to writing good copy and you do not need to be a good copywriter or be creative in any way shape or form to do that so definitely check out that show next week If you guys have topics or questions or anything that I can do to help you maximize your practice, definitely reach out to me, social media, my website, MaximizeBusiness.ca. As always, I invite you to join me on a free 30-minute strategy call where we can really look into your business, see where some of those areas are that you're struggling with, areas that have, you know, frozen you from making or taking action. And if you'd like to book one of those in with me, just go directly to info at themaximmovement.com, email me and we'll book that time. But other than that, guys, I am out for the week. I will talk to you next time.